0: welcome to a brand new episode of the all hoops podcast i'm your host steve inman joined as always by the great chris Brito, producer to the stars and co-host chris and i will discuss the orlando magic winning the lottery and what it means for their future plus We have some other draft thoughts we'll bring up, and then we'll break down the conference finals. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you?
1: Hey, Stevie. You know, obviously happy to be here on the All Hoops podcast. Um, Our Knicks didn't get the number one pick, which is very unfortunate, but it leaves us a lot more time to figure out what we want to do with that that 11th pick. Um, But some initial observations, the Magic got the first pick, as you mentioned. Um, they're in an interesting spot because you could argue that they need someone at a star at every position or someone who is uh, an actual cornerstone of, of, of that team. Um, I think between you and me, I think you could, they should go Jabari, but we know they're probably going to go Chet Holmgren based on John Hammond's track record, picking lengthy sort of forwards, center types. Like, John Hammond picked, you know, picked Giannis famously. Mobamba,
0: Mobamba.
1: They've done Um, all these things. So, why do you think Jabari is the guy instead of Chet?
0: I'm just, I'm just a little afraid of Chet's body. I just think he's just too frail. And seven footers who are that skinny, like who's the most successful? Like Sean Bradley, Porzingis types. Like Porzingis is probably the most successful. Of all of them. And he's a guy who's always hurt. So is is it possible Chet breaks the mold and is a unicorn? Absolutely. I just wouldn't bet my career on it. And that's what you're doing if you're the GM of the magic. So obviously Jabari Smith, I think he's the guy, he has a great motor. He's a guy who I believe is going to be a great defensive player. He's a guy who can shoot. He's of the three of these guys. He's the best shooter of the group. He's just a guy who can't really create his own shot at this level um, in his career. And not that I think Chet can, but Chet can do a little more on that. And then Jabari Smith can, but that's why you have Jalen Suggs. That's why you have Cole Anthony. And I believe the other things that Jabari does so well makes him such a good fit with this Orlando team where a Chet to me is just a big home run swing. It's a swing that could save your franchise, but it's also one that could cause you to not only lose your job, but have other organizations questioning why you did this for the next job interview.
1: So I, you know, there's gonna obviously be a lot of discussions in terms of who they're gonna pick. I think just to piggyback off what you were saying, Jabari sort of like gives them a, a 1A. I feel like he's the more safer option than the three, even like Paulo Paul Bonchero. Um, I don't know. In any case, Orlando needs a lot of help. And I think we can move on with, with the Magic. Um, so the Kings have the number fourth pick. And in Europe, you know, we were talking before the show and you were saying that's where you really think the draft starts, because presumably Orlando goes Chet, you know, you know, it's
0: either going to be Jabari and Bonchero next. So those, but, those three teams, Orlando, OKC and Houston are in some way likely to take the th- those three guys you just mentioned.
1: Sure. So at number four, who do you think fits their best? You know, you can make a case for Ivy. We know how the Kings love guards there. So what are you thinking?
0: It's tough because you have De'Aaron Fox, you have uh, you have Mitchell over there, but Jaden Ivy to me is the best guy left. And I don't believe they're as close as they think they are to contending. And I would just take the best player available. And to me, that's Jaden Ivy. I think he is... Rookie year, John Morant, he's got some John Wall in him. Those are pretty good players to get with the number four pick in the draft. But all these reporters I keep hearing keep talking about this playoff mandate from Sacramento, where the owner is basically saying, make the playoffs or else. They brought in Mike Brown, a veteran coach, believing he could be the guy who could steer that. And it's tough because I don't see them taking a project like Shaden Sharp, who didn't play college basketball last year, if the mandate is make the playoffs right now, I have no idea what to make of Shaden Sharp. He is the most fascinating guy in what you described correctly as really a wild card draft. There's so many projects and unknowns in this draft. He is the number one in this entire group. And he might become a 10-time All-Star. He might be a guy that we go two years from now. How in the world was he a lottery pick? And I think...
1: And I think even in comparison to last year, where you, we had so many prospects, even up to the tenth pick or eleventh pick last year, where like you thought, okay, at the at the worst comes to worst, they're like, you know, a contributor. And I think a lot of these guys in this draft are like, are they even an NBA player? I mean, you know, it's it's a deep. They call it a deep draft, and I think there's a lot of projects there. Um, but back to the Kings stuff that you were mentioning. They might have to trade that pick. And I think there are a lot of rumors already that they the Kings plan to trade that pick. And the Knicks obviously should be involved with that. I think you know they should get our star. They should
0: probably take our star player, Julius Randle, for that pick. I just thought of a trade within the last 30 seconds right on the top of my bat. You ready for this? Go ahead. Zach Levine rumors are all around that he may not stay in Chicago. Okay. Kings don't really – nobody really has space to go sign him. So you're going to have to sign and trade Levine. Would the Kings and Bulls do a sign and trade of Levine for the number four pick? The Kings clearly are looking for – we have to get into the playoffs. This is a group that signed Levine to that big offer sheet that the Bulls matched a few years ago. So Levine probably has some interest in going there if he was willing to sign a deal a couple years ago. I mean, I don't think that helps them that much, but.
1: No, but you know what, though? Like the Bulls clearly don't have enough to make a run, especially like Lonzo is injured for, for it's unknown what type of injury, any injury he has. So like.
0: You go draft Ivy, he can help replace Lonzo or he can play with Lonzo.
1: Right. But at the same time, you have a team that's kind of like, it's not good enough to be great and it's not bad enough to really suck. (laughs) So they are in a, on a higher level of mediocrity than the Knicks are, you know? So I think I like, I like your trade idea if the bulls have resigned to like, you know what, let's make this, let's build this team from the ground up and we start with the number four pick, but I don't know if if David Ivy is that guy. Um, but you know how they have you know how they brought in that guy from Denver from like two years ago. And so maybe this is his opportunity to build his team his way.
0: Arturis, yeah. No, Arturis. I, I think that's a good point. <laughs> I'm putting this in the if Levine says he's not signing back with Chicago, would you know would this make sense? I don't know why a guy would choose Sacramento over Chicago. That's another issue, but because like Levine's going to have a big say in this, but I just think that's some, that's the kind of deal Sacramento is looking for to get rid of this pick and a veteran who can help them win, win now. I'm not really sure a Fox Levine Sabonis team isn't going to give up 150 points a night, but at least they're different. So I'm, I'm fascinated by Sacramento. I think Everything starts with them at four. One other team I want to bring up, Portland at seven, Chris. They're in a similar situation where they're kind of like, we have to build around Lillard. We have to win now. I'm curious, do they trade that pick? Do they move up? Do they move down? How do you see that playing out?
1: I mean, again, I think Julius Randle would fit in perfectly. It would would really pain me to see him go. Sure, sure. but, (laughs) But, you know, I mean, on a serious note, I do think a place like Denver, I mean, like, um, like Portland makes a lot of sense for someone like Julius Randall. I mean, Portland clearly needs an infusion of talent. I think with a guy like Julius, like you have someone who is at least a good compliment to Dame, like, granted, I would have preferred seeing Dame in New York. But I kind of like that for for Portland, who, you know, not many stars are flocking to go to, to Portland. So I think getting like someone like Julius would actually make a lot of sense. On a serious note about that,
0: Randall's trade value is just so different depending on who you talk to, right? But is it is it delusional for us to think you could trade the 11th pick and Randall to move up I mean, seven? Is that
1: well, that crazy? So here's the thing, though. Like, where else are you going to get talent? If you're right, like. D- it's D- just like to me the D- D- problem D- is just
0: defense you have two, you you replaced the Lillard McCollum two undersized guards with Lillard Simons two undersized guards if you're gonna add Julius Randall to that hey they might just try it you know if Lillard says hey Julius was an all-NBA guy two years ago go get him they're probably gonna go do it so like I wouldn't just be like oh this make doesn't make sense don't do it but if you can pull that off of you're the Knicks, you can move up a little bit and then you can go take a swing on a shade sharp on a, on a Johnny Davis. I, I, I like Johnny Davis a lot. You know, that kind of guy, I think you do it. And then you give those minutes to Obi Top.
1: The other aspect of that, that fascinates me. If I'm Portland, like, think of all these lineups that you can make with Julius at like a four or five, like it, the possibilities are sort of endless with that and like you have another person who can make shots that's not whose name is not Dame I mean I would always prefer to be Dame shooting that shot but like I think there's a case to be made that Julius going to Portland makes a lot of sense and I wonder if like the light the bright lights were maybe too much in New York right and I think we saw a lot of that last year that maybe a place like Portland will be a place where he can get his third rebirth.
0: Yeah. uh, It's going to be interesting to see how Portland builds this thing up. They have top draft picks. They have cap space and they have a superstar in Lillard. So in theory, they can go in so many different directions.
1: They can, but they need
0: to make a move. They have to make many moves. And
1: I'm not sure what is out there reasonably, like maybe Beal, but like if I'm, if I'm Beal, like you just added an all-star to my team in Chris Haps Porzingis. And I'm not sure that's enough for him to stay, but it at least makes team compliment more around
0: Beal. Beal to me is in the exact same situation as Levine, which is I'm a former all-NBA guy. If you supermax me and I'm talking a 15 million a year, something that no other team can do, I'm staying. And I'm going to talk about being a Washington wizard for life and loyalty and all these things while counting my checks. And if they say, no, we're not going to, we're not going to super max you. We'll only give you the max. Like Charlotte said with Kemba Walker, then he's, I think he's going to leave. And I think both of those guys are in the exact same situation. It's going to be really fascinating to see how that plays out. Uh, one other guy I've heard linked to Portland so much is Jeremy Grant. Again, I don't know how much of an upgrade that is, but this is a team that just, can't defend anybody and is looking for wings. If they trade, you know, one of their wings or a future pick for Jeremy Grant, I could see that playing out. And they'll have the cap space to go out and say, we can go add a Randall, or we can go add uh, Nurkic back on a, on a decent-sized deal. So Portland, Sacramento, those are the two biggest, what is going to happen, deciding the draft in the lottery for me.
1: Um, so just to, just to cap off the draft stuff, the Knicks are in like, I'm not going to say the worst position possible, but they're at number 11 where you basically get eh. I mean, I believe shy Gillis Alexander was an 11th pick for the Clippers a few years ago. I think he was like,
0: yeah, it's like 12 or 13.
1: Um, in that sort of range. So, I mean, it really depends on who's actually,
0: you're right. Pick. 11th pick. Sorry.
1: You were right. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I really like this kid, Dyson Daniels from who's from the G League. He would be something. I, he 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 presents so many matchup problems, and he's obviously a defensive menace. Um, but who who would you like at eleven? I mean, it's too early to tell. We'll obviously have a show on that, but
0: well, obviously, I have a show on that. I got to look at more film, but the guy at this moment it's Johnny Davis. He reminds me of like Josh Hart but like Josh Hart with more upside to be more than just a role player, if that makes sense. His defense is already there. So he's a guy who Thibodeau I think would play as a rookie, which is encouraging. He's a guy who can score in a lot of different ways in the mid range and all these things. He just got to work on a shot, but the mechanics to me are not bad. There's something where if he gets the right system, the right shooting coach, I think he's a guy who can really emerge as a, really high-level role player with potential to be something more. And I think that's the guy as of right now. And he's already in these NBA draft Taco Bell commercials, so you already know he's ready for that New York City limelight.
1: Definitely. Let's move on to the playoff series going on. The playoff series still going on for now. Uh, let's go to Dallas Warriors, I mean Mavericks Warriors real quick. Basically, a foregone conclusion, correct? Warriors are up 3-0 as of this taping. Do you, what? If you're Dallas, you try to get one more game or two, um, but then I think the focus, there has to be a bigger focus on who the complement for Luka has to be. I don't know who the hell that is in the NBA, but I think it has to be someone who can clearly make a shot That's not like someone like Zach Levine actually makes a lot of sense because you need someone else to score, someone else to be a playmaker on that team. And I'm not talking about Spencer Dinwiddie, who has one good game like every eight games, or Brunson, who disappeared all all of a sudden. Like, I don't know. If you're Dallas, what are you thinking about right now, Steve?
0: Yeah, I mean obviously nobody wants to get swept. It, they've had a great season and to think like they were kind of going nowhere until they traded Porzingis, right? So to get swept, it kind of takes away a little bit from their the furthest they've gone in the Luca era. They've won two two rounds. So it's tough. I think they could I don't think they're gonna get a game. I think this thing is over. If the Warriors play with 90% of the intensity they have so far, I I don't see Dallas getting a game. As for this offseason, obviously we could delve into this when they're eliminated more, but again, Jeremy Grant, a guy who can do some defense, he can play the systems Jason K does, he can make shots, and he could be that second guy to Luka. Obviously, I know you're already shaking your head no, but you got to remember, who are they getting that's better than that, that they could go get without really draft picks or young players to trade.
1: I'm not so convinced Jeremy Grant is a guy to begin with. He was playing on a bad Den- Detroit Pistons team. I mean, that's just my opinion. I don't, I don't see him as a top tier guy, but
0: I mean, there might, but you're right though. There might not be a lot available right now. So, I mean, he's a, you know, career 35% three-point shooter. We've seen him as a role player in the past in Denver. And I believe He's better than he showed there, but he's not as good as the stat compiler he's been in Detroit the last two years. So if you get right. a guy in the middle who can average you 15 points a game, you know, on a pretty decent-sized contract, that's fine. Um, it's going Brid- to be interesting. Christian
1: Wood is also another guy I like on that team, too.
0: He's tough because, like, when you're them and you're, your aspirations are to go to the finals, right? you can't have a, a starting player who just plays zero defense like walking turnstile concerns with the attitude when well, you play defense let,
1: let him let him go to the school of jason kid and we'll we'll talk so about we'll that.
0: see so that's yeah, and, yeah you know if jason kid can put give some defense to him then all of a sudden we're talking about a coach of the year yeah and that's not impossible at all. So that's and he's a guy who I think is going to cost pennies on the dollar. So that might be a good uh suggestion for them too. But you know, going back to the Warriors for a second. I'm a little worried because they played so well and if you win on Tuesday, they're going to have 9 days between now and the finals. Is that a concern? I know they're an older team that could probably rest but 9 days, Chris.
1: I'm I don't think anybody's worried about. I mean, I don't think they're worried about it. I think they're might be actually looking forward to it. Um, I think that if anything, that'll help guys like Clay, guys like, you know, Curry, who are players of a certain age now. So, you know, I I think I see I see it as a non-factor at the moment. If anything, it's a beneficial one.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen teams with big rest times in all sports, and, and it's basically 50 50. How do they respond to it? Some just look refreshed and they look like they really needed the time off. And then some look like they haven't played in years. You know, we're obviously huge Met fans. They swept the Chicago Cubs. And I always think about that every time we're talking about the rest debate. They had, it's, you know, so, it's so it funny. That, off, And then they couldn't hit for a week and the, the se- season was over.
1: It's so funny. You mentioned that because. I was like, I wonder if Steve is thinking about the Mets World Series. Oh, I'm yeah. always thinking
0: about the Mets. But, um, you know, it happens in basketball. It's happened before. Yeah. Um, but so if, if Dallas takes a game and all of a sudden it goes from, you know, oh, nine days off to six or seven, I don't think that's a, a big deal. Uh, but I guess it it's just different per team. Yeah. Like, this is a veteran team, and, you know, I trust they'll be ready to go. But this is a team that relies so much on shooting it's, you know, you, you don't have that NBA competition for nine days. Does that impact that? I just don't think we know.
1: I don't, I think they will be okay. Let's move on to the Miami Boston series, which has been a lot more interesting, but it's also been injury riddled. So, you know, Miami sort of like took game three, game four is tonight, Monday night. We're recording this Monday afternoon. Um, how do you see the rest of the series playing out? It's sort of been depending on what, ha- like every game has been very different, but both games, the first two games at least have been blowouts in, blowout and blowouts have decided those games. The last game was a lot more interesting because it was closer. So do you foresee that happening for game four and how do you see the rest of the series sort of
0: playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think. And who the- do you
1: Obviously, who do you choose to win?
0: honestly it's just it's so hard to tell I'm gonna take the Celtics I I just believe they're I think they're gonna win in six but it's just so tough because they keep just changing strategies and how they attack and how they defend and it's been just a chess game and you know when when those kind of series they often go seven and you have to pick the home team and that's Miami so I'm really conflicted I really don't know where to go but I have a feeling we're going to get a Jason Tatum game in this series where he just goes off for of forty-five on great, on great shooting. We have not seen that yet.
1: Yeah. So i I went into this series firmly believing that Boston was going to win because I felt Miami was going to have a tough time scoring,
0: which they have for most the yeah. games.
1: So, I, and I think I saw a crazy stat where, like, out of the was it twelve quarters, the Heat have won two of them.
0: Yeah, to me, that's not sustainable.
1: It's not sustainable, but at the same time, you're neutralizing Jason Tatum the way you have with an old man, P.J. Tucker. Right now, to me, the Celtics are not the mentally tough team. They're the more talented team, but they're not the mentally tough team. And I think sometimes that really makes a difference in in the playoffs, right? Like Miami has no business being in the Eastern Conference Finals with Gabe Vincent... And Max, is it Strauss Struz. or Strauss? Struess?
0: He was cut by the Celtics. Right.
1: It. So you have two undrafted players who are playing, you know, contributing key roles. In it. Key, key roles for the Heat. And like right now they just want it more. And there's also no reason for the Celtics to lose against a team that doesn't have Jimmy Butler for the second half.
0: Right. I think this is yeah. going to come down to health uh what's Jimmy Butler's status we don't know we already heard Tyler Hero is ruled out for Monday night's game he's saying he wants to rest he's ready for a game five is he gonna be ready for game five how is he gonna play we don't know to me
1: to me that means that Miami is throwing the white flag for this game
0: I wouldn't say that based on Hero if you heard that from Jimmy Butler maybe but I mean Tyler Hero was not good in in game three and they might just be like, we'd rather have you closer to your best than to give us what you're giving us right now. And that's kind of what we heard from with Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was not really helping the Heat last round. They shut him down for a few games. He comes back in game three, and he made some big contributions for them. I have this to say that was game.
1: that like to me. Sometimes I'm like, why did the Heat even bother like paying this man money? Clearly, he's an older man who can't play the way he's supposed to, but Game three was such a prime example of why a guy like Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry can like make a difference with defense. And like, he, he was, he was stellar. Like, and you, you've
0: heard me game many times talk about like, there's only two or three centers I would pay max money to in the entire NBA. And that's, you know, Davis, Jokic, and Bede. And after game three, I'm dangerously close to putting Bam in that group. He is that good. He just went off in that game. Where it was like thirty over thirty points, making mid rangers, playing elite defense. And if he, if you're gonna get that from Bam, you know, in three of the next four games, the Heat are winning the series.
1: Oh yeah, and like to me, the 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 most fascinating aspect to that was that yeah, like. Jalen Brown went off for 40 points sure okay but there nobody else on the Celtics really stepped up too but the for the heat it felt like they didn't miss Jimmy Butler at all and Jimmy Butler's their best player so that to me if i'm the Celtics i'm like i'm a little worried about that because the the heat just find ways to win and i have a buddy who was is betting big on them like for them to win the series. And I didn't really understand, but the heat just like, just want it more. Celtics are are definitely taking the heat. Yeah. I'm taking the heat.
0: All right. I'm going to take Boston. I mean, I'm going to head over there for game five and uh, we'll see how it goes. And I I think that's going to be the do or die game. The winner of that is going to win the whole thing, but uh very exciting series, and after a bunch of blowouts in a lot of these games, it's nice to see this Boston Miami series where you don 't really know which way it 's going to go but let 's get to our final thoughts right after this, okay, Chris, Final thoughts time you bring bringing up this story to me and read this amazing article about Tim Connolly with the minnesota timberwolves we were, We were wondering Denver. Stan Kroenke, he's been very cheap in the past. You know, you wonder if his attention is more focused on the LA Rams and they lose another top executive in uh, in Tim Connolly to Minnesota. Should they have spent the money to keep him?
1: Of course. And I think the hardest thing to replace is leadership like that because those are the people that are making decisions that have ripple effects throughout the rest of the franchise, right? Like, you know... Look at the prime example of the Knicks. The leadership has clearly been subpar for many, many years. And look how the product has reflected that. So when you have solid leadership in place, I think that's the most important thing because everything else follows suit. Look at the Spurs. Stable stable leadership for so many years and had been one of the marquee franchises in this league. And I think for the Nuggets you can't take that stuff for granted and clearly they are Um, obviously players make the team and those are the most important assets on a, on a team, but leadership is right up, right up there. You know, you can't really replace that sort of uh, the mentality and the thinking because now you have to develop somebody else and now you have nobody to back him up.
0: This is such a tough one for me because normally I would agree with you, but the nuggets Have done such an outstanding job of finding front office people that I kind of believe they can keep doing it. And look, the cheapness is terrible. They've gotten into a public fight with one of the top cable providers in Denver where majority of people can't watch the games there. That's unacceptable. They've had dwindling season ticket numbers and and ticket attendance, and they refuse to lower prices. That's unacceptable. But you know this article we read about how cheap they are and how they're going to rue the day they let Connolly go is the exact same article that we heard you know six seven years ago when Masai Ujiri left because Masai Ujiri got a giant deal in in uh, Toronto to go run their team and Masai to me is the best GM in the sport but Tim Connolly is pretty close and what says that Calvin Booth the you know current GM. Who is reporting to Tim Connolly, the president, can't be that guy. I don't know. Um, it's it's a red flag to me that this happened, but I don't believe this is going to be the downfall, the nugget if Calvin if Calvin Booth is the right guy.
1: I mean, it's not because you have the cornerstones in, you have the cornerstones yeah. in place right now. So like the hardest part is done. It's yes. almost like it's almost like they built the whole ship they have the mast ready they need
0: someone to steer it
1: but now they just kicked off the captain and now people are just like okay so i guess we're just going north here but like i don't know i i think it may be a symptom of a bigger problem without within that franchise i agree with that uh only time will tell how it will be impacted
0: But also great job by Minnesota landing arguably the top potential GM president candidate on the market. And this is a team that has kind of done some good things, some bad things over the last few years. And you get a guy who has consistent team building experience. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in a rod as an owner in, in the NBA and there's some question about how much authority does he and Mark Lore, the new ownership group in Minnesota, have until they officially take over, right? But you know, they weren't doing this before, so I really believe that they have the authority to go make these big moves, and I think that's as big of a deal as anything in Minnesota right now
1: yeah and and the best part about um, him going to to Minnie is that there's really not a lot that you need to do. I mean, I think the team has a nice little nucleus with Edwards and towns. You know, he might be the person who decides, okay, we need to move on from towns, but, you know, considering his track record with Jokic um, and Biggs, like he might just end up keeping him, but that's a great job. I mean, honestly, that's a great job to have not ideal weather, but a great job to have, I think.
0: Yes. Good, fun, young team with uh, some more picks in the future coming up. So I think they're going to take the next steps soon. I, If I'm a Tim Connolly, my first move is how do we upgrade D'Angelo Russell into a better player? I'm not sure if you can, but that's definitely where I would be looking to try to find a better player to go with an Edwards and a Towns. But that's a problem for another day that is going to do it for us here on the all who's podcast chris is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up the show
1: nobody i'm looking forward to the rest of these uh, conference finals and and yeah but
0: well that's going to do it for us we'll be back next week to discuss the nba finals and anything else you guys want to talk about just leave it in the comments on on our show notes and we will talk to you soon
1: bye everyone Oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my,